treat yourself to a little something organic. Cora's whisper-thin yet mighty absorbent pads have a breathable 100% organic cotton top sheet and are made without fragrance, dyes, and chlorine. Because your vulva's not a hot tub. With patented smart channels for up to eight hours of leak protection, Cora's got you covered however you flow. Plus, Cora donates period products to people in need with every purchase. Find Cora nationwide at Target, CVS, and online at cora.life. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. To know that. Like we're going to pray. We're going to jump in, go over a couple of things, and then I want to pour into you tonight, leaders. I know. As a leader, your time is always very valuable. So I appreciate you for spending time uh, with me on these second Mondays. Now, uh, in the next month, in December, we're going to have a brand new call schedule uh, that we uh, release for you so that uh, it's, uh, you'll know it. You'll know it up front. And it's my endeavor to pour into you all the more as we come into 2019 to ensure that you are locked and loaded to have a great and awesome year. And so we'll get that out for you. And we'll also, too, before we pray, don't forget, if you have, don't subscribe on iTunes or it's iTunes, iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify, it's a bunch of different places now, the Bishop Kevin Foreman Leadership Podcast. So what I'm going to teach tonight, you know, here's the reality, is whenever you do a call, you can never have everybody on at the same time. It's just not possible. But one of the awesome things that we are able to do is that we are able to ensure that individuals are um, able to get the podcast. And so many, many people, I was looking at our podcast numbers the other day. It's awesome to see how many people and leaders are taking advantage of the podcast. So if you don't have that, make sure that you grab that through iTunes. Let us pray. Father, we honor you and bless you. I thank you for these incredible leaders that are gathered uh, with us tonight. And I just pray, Father, that you would speak in such a significant way to, one, inspire them, two, to encourage them, three, to fortify them, four, to build them up all the more so that they are able to continue to build your kingdom in a great way. I declare that no weapon formed against them would prosper every tongue that rises in judgment. I thank you that it is condemned. I pray that tonight they'd be sharpened. Iron sharpens iron. I pray that tonight they'd be the better, they'd be the wiser, they'd be the sharper for the building of your kingdom. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Everybody's it. Amen. Again, as you're coming in, you'll know that um, your line's muted. We do that. And again, there was some type of technical difficulty earlier where we were able to hear some of the lines that were coming in. We do that so that as people are coming in, and I have a bunch of background noise. If you've ever been on a call with people from all across the nation, you know there's a bunch of background noise and cats and dogs and all of that. Remember, tonight's leadership talk will be available on the Bishop Kevin Foreman Leadership Podcast. You get it through iTunes and a variety of other channels. While I'm on that subject, Pastors, we need to be poured into. Sometimes pastors are struggling, and it's not because what they're dealing with is a struggle. It's not because what they're dealing with is too much. It is because they are malnourished. They're underfed. So pastors, I encourage you, especially if you're a Harvest Fellowship pastor and, uh, and you're connected to me, I want you to know that it's very important that you're receiving yourself. And so one of the great things, because of the faithful giving of the people of Harvest, we have taken literally all of our archive messages over the years, and they are also available, watch this, on YouTube, our YouTube channel. They are also available in our podcast as well, which you can get through our app. 
Type there at harvestchurch.church. You can also get it on iTunes, and there's a variety of places that it is now, and it's even expanding all the more. So uh, literally, they're about 99.99% all the way done uh, with archiving all of those messages. And why would we do that? Why would we take it? It was a tremendous undertaking, a tremendous expense, to be quite frank with you in order to have all of those messages. Many of them go back to DVDs and CDs where they had to capture them and get them and, and uh, rip them off and all, not, you know, rip them off of the CD and DVD and then upload them digitally and file them. All of that took several, several, several months. In fact, it's been over 12 months that the project has been underway, and it was a tremendous undertaking and a tremendous expense. But let me tell you why it was important for the people of Harvest is because we wanted to do everything we could do to get these life-giving messages to as many people as possible. And as a leader, I want you to know, leader, that it's important that you're poured into and that you are spiritually fed. It is going to be difficult for you to feed and lead if you are malnourished yourself. So that's why we make the life-giving messages available. You'll know one of the things about me, I don't call the messages that I preach sermons. Sermons are cool. If that's what you call what you preach, awesome. I don't call what I preach sermons. The reason I don't call them sermons is because uh, you know, that's just not the term I choose to use. Uh, a sermon, sometimes we, we can equate that to, you know, something you heard when you were a kid, you did something wrong, and you got to talk to, right? Uh, I preach and teach life-giving messages. It's my endeavor to speak life into your life as a leader. And, uh, and so I want to just make sure that you're doing that. Make sure you're availing yourself of that both on YouTube and the podcast. They are available. Let's jump into tonight's leadership podcast and a couple more things that we'll cover and we'll hit right at the end uh, of our session and uh, in our time today. I want to talk about, especially as we're preparing for a new calendar year, I want to teach about this, the prepared leader, the prepared leader. If I was to give this a subtopic, it would be this, preparation is never wasted time. Preparation is never wasted time. Now, again, in this leadership talk, there's senior pastors, there are bishops, there are ministry leaders, there are individuals from a variety of backgrounds, a variety of circumstances, situations that are on the call with us tonight, and subsequently we'll receive this podcast. And uh, so when I talk about the prepared leader, I'm going to speak about it from very, some, several different aspects. But it's important that now, as we're preparing to come to the end of a calendar year, that we are preparing ourselves for the year that's to come. Listen, whenever you do not prepare, what you are doing is you're setting yourself up to panic. I'm going to say it again. Whenever you're unprepared, you're setting yourself up to panic. And unfortunately, especially in the church, now maybe you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, uh, and so the church world is not necessarily your world. It doesn't matter what world sphere you're in. At the end of the day, many people live in a consistent and constant state of panic. They panic about money. They panic about what to do. They panic about what needs to happen. And whenever you're a leader that's in a panic, you're going to be a very, watch this, you're going to be a passive-aggressive leader. You're also going to be a leader that doesn't see much productivity from what you're doing, and you're also going to be a leader uh, that constantly takes pauses when they need to be playing, and by playing meaning moving forward. And so whenever you don't prepare, you're going to be in a constant state of panic. And if you're taking notes, leaders, and I hope that you do, I'm going to ask you to write this down. I will not panic in this coming year. I want you to type that down. I will not understand here. Panic is such a powerful thing. If you look at the life of this great leader we see in the scripture, his name is Elijah. He's a prophet. Elijah is so awesome because Elijah starts something brand new. See, all of the other prophets of the day, uh, all of the other men of God of the day, they had the schools of the prophets. But schools produce students. Students are taught tasks. Students are taught 
ideology. Student are taught a variety of things. Elijah was the first guy to come up with not the school of the prophets. Elijah had the sons of the prophets. Elijah wasn't just teaching tasks. Elijah wasn't just teaching information. Check this out. Elijah was teaching identity. As a spiritual father, what Elijah was doing was teaching those that he led, who they were, because when he taught them who they were, it changed what they do. Well, if we fast forward years later uh, for a uh, – if we fast forward years later for uh, the life of Elijah, we see something very significant. If we look at the life of Elijah, he's dealing with uh, Jezebel, and uh, when he's dealing with Jezebel, uh, the Bible says that he gets panic. And, and again, leaders, if you didn't get that thing I was saying to take down – in your notes, if, it, uh, if you weren't able to hear me clearly, to write that thing down, uh, I will not panic in the year to come. I will not panic in the year to come. You need to tell yourself that. You need to see that. That's what we're going to help you do tonight to be the prepared leader. Elijah, he, is, uh, he has just had this great victory. You know the story, especially if you're a preacher on the line. You know the story. He's had these great victory over the false prophets of this false god named Baal, and uh, they have this great victory. And then uh, Jezebel says, Jezebel says something interesting. She says, she sends a messenger, and she says, go tell Elijah that, to, that by this time tomorrow he's going to be like one of them. Essentially, she was threatening to kill him. Here's what's amazing. In that moment, if you go study that particular text, you discover something very significant. The Bible says that the man said something, but it records that Elijah saw something. I'm going to say it again. The Bible says, the Bible says that the man, the messenger, said something to him, but Elijah saw something. Elijah, depending on your translation, it may read slightly differently, but the principle is still the same. What's so significant about that, leaders, is that what happens for Elijah is when he hears this bad report, watch this, he sees something that makes him panic. He's just had a great victory. And I want you to know you're most vulnerable after you've had great victory. He just had a great, great, awesome victory. Jezebel doesn't come herself. She sends a messenger, and the Bible says the messenger says something, but Elijah hears something. He panics, y'all. And when he panics, you know the story, he runs. He gets on the run, and you know the rest of the story. What's significant is after this man of God calls down fire from heaven, this guy's running for his life because he's in a state of panic. So tonight, and in this talk, uh, uh, and for those of you listening to the podcast, it is my endeavor to make sure you do not live in a state of panic. You can't panic about your finances. You can't panic about your ministry. You can't panic about your business. You can't panic about your house, no. You can't panic about your condo because when you're in a state of panic, you are not an effective leader. So in this, when we talk about the prepared leader, I want to just look at a particular passage of Scripture so I can pour into you leaders. First Chronicles 11, 22 through 24. It's about this guy um, named, uh, named Benaiah. It says this, Benaiah was the son of Jehoda, the son of a valiant man from Casbel who had done many deeds. I like Benaiah because Benaiah had done something. You know, sometimes in leadership, people are so uh, are so um, so focused on what they know. But here's the real mark of leadership: What have you done? See, you can know a whole lot. Matter of fact, I'm going to speak to some leaders' frustration is because you're frustrated because you know more than people who are seemingly watch this doing more. The issue with leaders it's not just what you know; it's what you do. Benaiah had done some things. It says he had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. That's number one. 
Next, he also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. That's number two. He killed an Egyptian man of great height, five cubits tall. In the Egyptian's hand, there was a spear like a weaver's beam. He went down to him with a staff, rested the spear out of the Egyptian's hand, and killed him with his own spear. These, watch this, these things, but neither son of Jehovah did, and won a name among the three mighty men. He did some things, and then he won a name. So let me help you understand something, leader. It may be great what you know, but it is now time for you to take what you know, and it's time for you to now take what you know into something that you show. I want you to write this down. As you prepare for the new year, this is going to be a year for you of manifestation. I need you to write that down, leader, or type it. This is going to be a year of fruitfulness for you. I'm setting you up now about uh, the time of this recording approximately 49 days before the end of this calendar year because you are not going to have a repeat of this year in the new year. You are not going to live in panic in the new year because you're going to go into this new year as a prepared leader. When we look in First Chronicles 11, there's this man named Benaiah. Benaiah's name literally means this, two definitions in Hebrew, the language of our Old Testament, whom God is up. And then literally his name also means son. That implies a lot just in his name. It means he wasn't immature. Uh, sometimes as leaders, we might have position, but, not, but may not always walk in the maturity that's necessary for that position. See, when you're a general and when you're a leader, uh, you've got to watch this, be able to take shots, not just call them. I'm going to say that again. You've got to be able to take shots and not just call them. What makes exceptional leaders are leaders that can take shots as well as call the shots. Check this out. What makes you an even better leader is when you can take the shots at the same time you're calling the shots. See, leadership is not a position. Leadership is not a title. Leadership is not even, watch this, in an anointing. A leadership, leadership is in the ability to walk in maturity when there are moments of festation and mess and all of that. That's leadership. In Benaiah's name, it implies this, that he wasn't immature. As a leader, to be a prepared leader, I want you to ask yourself, where are some areas that perhaps there needs to be maturity? Mr. Foreman, how do I know areas I need to mature in? It is because there are areas where you get emotional about. Anything you get emotional about, and I'm not talking about emotions of joy or happiness. I'm talking about where you heard somebody was talking about you, you got a little mad. You heard you had a family issue, you got a little frustrated. You got a little beside yourself. Any area where you are overly emotional might suggest that it's an area where there is a lack of maturity. And maturity doesn't mean that you're weak. It just means that you're underdeveloped. Maturity does not mean that you're not a strong, fierce leader. I know you are. It just means there's some areas where there can be some greater development uh, in your life. And so it says this. It says that Benaiah was someone that was built up. He wasn't immature. Secondly, Benaiah was bold. He wasn't waiting on something. Benaiah was making something happen. Often as leaders, sometimes we will say, well, I'm waiting on this one to do that. I'm waiting on this one to do that, not realizing that as leaders, you've got to be bold. Next thing, he was relevant. He knew how to follow and how to lead. The greatest leaders are often the greatest followers. Today, I had the privilege of sitting with some great generals in the body of Christ. If I call the names, 100% of everybody on the phone would know the names. Great generals who have lasted through the years. You know, there's a lot of shooting stars where people cut five, you know, they rise fast and they fall faster. These are men that have lasted through the years. And I noticed something very significant about the most senior of the leaders in the room who had done the most, accomplished the most, built the most. He was also, watch this, the first to follow. 
uh, just in very simple things. See, whenever you're in a room with people who have done or accomplished more than you, sometimes it's not about talking. Sometimes it's about watching, listening, learning. Because sometimes more is caught than taught. I watched him. He, uh, he was waiting for the cues. He was waiting for the instructions of other individuals. He was waiting uh, for them to do it because he realized he was a man that not only was a leader, but he was a man that was also a follower. He knew how to take orders as well as give them. It was remarkable to me. Next thing about Benaiah is Benaiah was wise, and his wisdom gave him a position of great power and wants this tenure. You last when you're wise. Somebody that's wise has the ability to outlast storms. Somebody that's wise has the ability to outlast obstacles, outlast issues. And here's the most important thing, what I want to talk about for just a few more minutes tonight with Benaiah. Benaiah was prepared. I want you to write that down, leader. Benaiah was prepared. He was prepared. And here's what I need you to know. Preparation doesn't mean experience. We've got leaders that are on this call that are millennials, baby boomers, Gen Xers, Gen Yers, Gen Zers, whatever, all ages. At Harvest Church, we have leaders, people who have literally gone through our leadership training that are still in high school because I believe that much in investing into leaders. Here's what's significant. is preparation doesn't mean experience. Sometimes you'll say, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I can't do that because I don't have any experience. Preparation doesn't mean experience. You're the kind of leader that's going to be the interruption to dysfunction. You're the kind of leader that's going to be a boundary breaker or curse breaker. So you don't need necessarily experience. You need preparation. See, if you always have experience, then you've already been where you're going. And how do I know Benaiah was prepared? Well, we just read it in the text, leaders. He killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. Uh, uh, that prepared him. Now, notice they were lion-like heroes of Moab. Moab is significant because Moab means this. Moab uh, uh, in Hebrew means from the father. They were generational things. He dealt with stuff from his bloodline. Number two, then uh, after that, that prepared him for when he went down in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. Now, notice the text says he went down in a pit. So literally, he went down. Literally, geographically, he had to go down. But I think there's something else we can extract from the text. He went down, which means as a leader, watch this, he had a valley. I want to suggest to every leader listening to me right now, don't think that because you're simply in a leadership valley that something's wrong. Leaders have victories, and then they have valleys. And valleys get you ready for victories, and victories get you ready for valleys. I want to say it again. Valleys get you ready for victories, and victories get you ready for valleys. He went down into a pit. With a lion on a snowy day, which prepared him for. Watch the preparation. He killed a giant Egyptian with his own spear, which prepared him for. He became the highest-ranking military personnel. That made him great. He prepared for greatness. Leaders, Benaiah became great because he was willing to pay the fee for greatness. And we are all built with the desire for greatness, and we know this because of the feeling we sometimes experience called frustration. See, frustration occurs when your yearning for greatness is stunted by a particular circumstance. Frustration is an indication that there's greatness in you. And my job uh, on this talk tonight, and for those of you who I am your leader, is to bring out the best in you regardless of what level of spiritual maturity or leadership maturity that you're at. See, at the end of the day, I want to, uh, you to understand this talk uh, is about the time in life that often seems wasted through disappointment, failure, and mistakes, and it's often misspent, and instead it should be preparation for the great. See, the word great appears in the Bible over 1,100 times in one form or another, and it means unusual or considerable in degree. It means power, intensity, wonderful, first rate, very good. You need to write this down. God created me to be great. 
You need to know that because there are things that are going to try to break you down, take you down, and you need to remind yourself of how God created you to be. And here's what you need to know, leaders, is that your greatness doesn't make somebody else a lesser leader. Uh, your great doesn't have to interfere with somebody else's great. Sometimes we get all mixed up, we get it all twisted, and think that in order for us to be great, that means somebody else can't be great. And the reality is there's enough greatness for everybody to be great. Uh, now, look at this. Great doesn't mean you won't face issues. doesn't mean you're not going to have trials and tribulations. It just means that even when you factor those in, everything is still wonderful. Everything is still first-rated, unusually very good. See, watch this, leaders. God loves us, but great has a fee. Let me see if I can say it another way that it rhymes so you'll remember. God loves me, but great has a fee. If you want great, here's a biblical pattern from people in the Bible, like Benaiah, and, the, uh, and you'll discover something. The majority of their time is spent preparing. Think about this. If you grew up in church and you were in the music department, you would rehearse for, what, two, three, four hours maybe, depending on, you know, style of church, and for what, church would last an hour and a half, two hours? Rehearsal was always longer than the actual performance. Watch it. Dance practice. Many times you will practice for hours and hours and hours and day after day after day to only perform that dance for maybe five minutes or less. Check it out. The pattern is that most time is spent preparing for something, not actually doing something. I want you to hear me. To every leader that's been frustrated, every leader that's felt like uh, they've been stunted, every leader that's felt like, oh, my God, things aren't going to get better, things can improve, I want you to hear me and hear me good. The pattern is this. Most time is spent preparing for something, not actually doing something. You need to understand, don't waste your preparation time because you're trying to get to the port to where you're doing it. Most time is spent preparing than actually doing. So to be the prepared leader, that's the kind of leader you are, I want to give you some things. I want to give you a, a few things, and they're going to all have the word ate, A-T-E, that suffix at the end of them. And I want to give you these quick points and wrap up our time tonight. Uh, and wrap up our time on what will be the podcast of this. First is anticipate. This is the expectancy part. As a prepared leader, you need to anticipate where it is you're going, what it is you're doing. And leaders, a lot of the times we like to look at the big picture. I want to challenge you to anticipate in the small picture. Let's go with tomorrow morning. At the time of this recording, it's evening time where I'm at. And so let's look at tomorrow morning. What do you need to anticipate about tomorrow? Got it? A lot of times you're looking at, oh, I'm going to do this next year, I'm going to do this next year, I'm going to do this next year. Not really, because you didn't anticipate. What are you expecting to happen? A woman that's expecting a child anticipated the arrival of the child by faith. Her only proof is what some doctor says. But I want to ask you this question, leaders. What about the things God has spoken and promised to you through his word? I'm not even talking about a prophetic utterance. I'm talking about through his word, great things that have been spoken over your life, great things that have been declared over your life right there from the written word of God. I'm going to ask you something. What are your gifts? What are your talents? To anticipate, take stock of what you have. Watch this so you can take note of what you need. See, to anticipate something, here's what it means practically. I don't just want to shout you spiritually and, and, and shout you and get you excited. I want you to also be informed. See, it's one thing to be inspired. It's a better thing to be informed. What anticipation does is take stock of what you have so you can take note of what you need. All right, so watch this. If you're getting ready to start a new business, I started my first business when I was 12. By the time I was 21, I built a multimillion-dollar real estate finance business. God has been very good, and God was very good. Went through valley after that, bounced back after the valley, better, bigger, stronger. Here's what's significant is I always like to anticipate. I took stock of what I had. 
so I could take note of what I needed. That's anticipation. What do you have that you got ready for tomorrow? What do you need? Let's get real practical, leaders. Do you need to get your suit ready tonight? You should. Do you need to go to the ATM because you're going to go somewhere you can only use cash? Watch this. If you don't do that, let's just make it super practical. If you don't go get the cash now and you're trying to do it tomorrow, what about traffic? What if a meeting goes longer? So now you're not going to be able to cash, get the cash. So now that you can't get the cash, now you can't do what it is you need to do. So now you're going to be running behind. And then you might blame the devil for why you're running behind, but the devil had nothing to do with that. As a leader, you weren't prepared. You did not take the time to anticipate. Anticipate. Here's number two, educate. This is what prepared leaders do. Leaders are educated spiritually, watch this, and academically. Get some training, leaders. Applied knowledge is power. That's what we're doing with this call tonight. I could come on tonight and I could prophesy to you and I could speak the prophetic utterance of the Lord. I could do all of that to you. I could have you standing up, spinning around, shouting, jumping, hollering, screaming. That's good. But can I tell you something? As a leader, you cannot just be satisfied with being entertained. As a leader, you need to crave being empowered. And I know that's why you're connected to me, because you want to be empowered. Get some training. Applied knowledge is power. People say knowledge is power. No, it's not. Applied knowledge is power. You ever met somebody that knew a lot but didn't get a lot done? It's because they never applied what they knew. At the end of the day, I want to make sure that you are educating yourself. So you anticipate. Now, what do you need to educate? So let's be real practical. If you're going to start a business in this new year, all right, so you anticipate, okay, this is what I have, this is what I need. All right, what have you done to educate yourself about that industry? When pastors, I consult for lots of pastors, churches of 10 people, churches of thousands of people. And when I consult for churches, I consult for executives, executives that are just getting started, executives that have built, you know, monstrosities of businesses. And when I consult for these leaders, one of the things that's very significant is that when I'm consulting with these leaders is uh, that we are taking stock of what they have, seeing what they need, but in that, I'm educating them on what it is they need to know for where it is they want to go. So I'm going to ask you this question. What do you need to know for where you want to go? And you're starting a business in this new year, and I'm just using that as an example. What is it that you need to know? When pastors come to me, I can tell them the numbers of the industry that I'm in. And I say industry as a pastor and a bishop, as a pastor and pastors. I've got to know my numbers. I've got to know my demographics. You can name your city to me right now, and I will be able to tell you the demographic background of it right now. You name any city right now in the United States of America, and I can tell you the demographic breakdown. Why? Because I am, had chose to educate myself about what it is I do. The Bible says, he who wins souls is wise. Well, I want to see as many people come to Jesus through harvest churches across the nation. So how do I need to do that? I need to do that by being educated. What is it that you need to know for where you want to go? Educate yourself spiritually and academically. If you grew up old school, Pentecostal, charismatic church, there wasn't a heavy emphasis on education beyond spiritual knowledge. So you knew the word, but check this out. You couldn't get, you couldn't get results because you were spiritual, but you were not practical. And so I encourage you, leader, to be, educate yourself. Listen, if you want to achieve a certain job, guess what? You need to educate yourself for what do you need to do in that job. Well, I'm just going to wait on the job to train me. Well, maybe you're never going to get the job because they're looking for somebody that they can do, hit the ground running. They're not looking for somebody they got to train. They're looking for somebody that came trained. I remember when I got started in the industry that I was most successful in uh, from a secular standpoint, when I got started in that industry, I had to educate myself. 
So I literally, and, and you know, Google wasn't used at that time the way Google is used now. You know, I think Google's probably a brand new thing. I mean, internet on the phone, oh God, it was the slowest thing ever. I mean, you still, to text, you have to, you know, type in to get C, you have to hit three, two times, some of y'all remember, or three times, some of y'all remember what I'm talking about. But I had to educate myself. I have to educate myself on regulations and how to do this and different programs. And I have to educate myself on a variety of things. But I still have that knowledge to this day, so I'm still able to use it. So when people ask me questions because I educated myself, I can say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Let me prove it to you. A couple of weeks ago, I guess a month or so ago now, a woman came to me in our congregation here at our Metro Denver campus, and she came to me. And she, was, she had an issue. She was in tears. In fact, her praise report, if you follow me on Instagram, Instagram.com, Bishop Foreman, connect with me there. Um, she was in tears. And she came to me, she said, because you can see her praise report there. She's like, Bishop, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. They said I need, and literally it was several thousand dollars that she had to come up with, and she had to come up with it, you know, in a couple of days. And she was frightened. She was worried. I said, listen, chill out. I said, tell me about this. Tell me about this. I asked her a few questions. Make a long story short. I told her people how to get the deal done because they didn't know how to do the deal. I said, do this, do this, do this, do this. And the lady that was in charge of this particular uh, individual, her loan process, she said, who is this bishop foreman? How did he know how to do that? She said, I don't know, even know how to do that. She said, Bishop, I pulled out the picture and I showed her to you, uh, 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 or I showed uh, uh, you to her because I wanted her to see. She said, he don't just preach. He figured out how to do this. Through an email, I was able to give them instructions on how to get this deal done so that this woman was able to get into the house and didn't have to come up with the thousands of dollars. Did you hear what I just said? She was supposed to come up with several thousand dollars, but because I had educated myself many, many years ago, I was able in a five-minute email to tell them how to get the deal done so this woman did not have to come, listen to me, out of pocket for anything to get a new house. I'm going to tell you, when you're a prepared leader, you've got education, not just spiritually but academically. And I don't mean necessarily going back to college and re-enrolling. You can do that. Harvard Bible College, we offer that. There's several other uh, colleges of arts and sciences. I'm not necessarily saying that. But now we have the University of YouTube, the University of Google. And guess what, y'all? That's free. So I encourage you to avail yourself to that. Two more points. Two more points for the prepared leader. Next, renovate. This is the change part. Sometimes the greatest enemy is the enemy. And so as a leader, you've got to create some winning routines in your life. I want to tell you something. I used to have a, 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 a drinking problem. Now, now, before you judge me, let me tell you what I drank. I used to drink two Starbucks a day. I used to drink two Starbucks a day. I'd have one in the morning and one in the evening. I had a white chocolate mocha, and uh, I had them give me the medium-sized drink but the small drink quantity so I could get extra whipped cream. I had one in the morning, one in the evening, and it was loaded with sugar, and it wasn't a winning routine because it didn't help my health, so I had to change my routine. So one year, I gained 15 pounds. I went into my doctor. She said, Bishop, what are you doing? This is before I lost all the weight recently, the 95 pounds recently. And uh, she said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm just eating the same way I eat. I said, you know, steak and potatoes. I've always been a steak and potatoes guy. She said, are you drinking coffee? I said, well, yeah, but not that much. She said, well, how much are you drinking? I said, well, there's some in the morning, some in the evening. She says, well, what are you drinking? And I just told her, well, white chocolate mocha, and I get the medium size, but I get the small quantity, and I get extra whipped cream. She says, oh, my God, do you know how much sugar is in that? She says, all of that weight gain came from what you're drinking. She says, watch this. You've got to change your routine. A leader, you can't just modify behavior without changing your routine. Create a winning routine. Maybe that means you need to wake up earlier. Maybe that means that you need to spend more time planning the next day. Maybe that means 
that you need to spend more time in devotion. Maybe that means you've got to change your workout routine. You've got to change your routine so that it's winning. Routines are revealers, watch this, leaders, of self-discipline. People choose one of two things. Either they choose the pain of discipline, which comes from sacrificing growth, or they choose the pain of regret, which comes from taking the easy road and consequently missing opportunities. So I encourage you, create some winning routines. What, what, what do you need to renovate? What needs to change, okay? So let's just use something super practical. If you want to, you know, uh, muscle up, you want to bulk up, all right? Well, you know, weight training, resist, now I'm not a physical trainer, I'm a doctor, not that type, uh, but here's what I can tell you is that uh, at the end of the day, it's got to be a combination, not just of resistance training, but also uh, of uh, some cardiovascular. You, you got to, you know, you got you to burn some calories. You got to do that. Weight training will help you with that, but you need to put that into your routine. Working out once a week ain't a winning routine if that's what you're trying to do. Maybe you're trying to lose weight. Working out twice a week is not a winning routine. Maybe you want to build a stronger church. Listen, only dealing with church stuff for a couple of minutes a day is not going to build a winning routine. Maybe you're trying to break fear. Well, doing things that insulate that fear is not a winning routine. Leaders, look at your routine. What's my routine, Bishop? You know what you might need to do as a leader is record yourself. One day I recorded my day. And when I recorded my day, I said, you know what? There's lots of things that need to change. This needs to change. This needs to change. This needs to change. But I built a winning routine such now I get more done in my days because I built a winning routine. Here's the last thing, leaders, cultivate. Jesus said the greatest among us would be the what? Y'all know it, the servant. And I want to say this. Do you, and listen to this, as a leader, this might be a very interesting thing. Because as a leader, check this out. Do you build your life around Jesus or do you build Jesus into your life? Now, I know as a leader, especially if you're a Christian, you're like, of course I build my life around Jesus. Well, Sometimes you can get so used to ministry, so used to church, so used to leadership that you actually have just built it into your life, not built your life around it. Your life must be built around him, which means building around what's important to him. This is super important, leaders, because if you're going to cultivate and build and be the very best that you can be, I know it's simple, y'all, but it's so practical, it's got to be centered around Jesus. It's got to be centered around making what's important to him important to you. It's not about you saying, this is what I want to do. Can I tell you all something? I never wanted to be a bishop. Can I tell you something else? I never wanted to be a senior pastor. I didn't want to do that. That's not something that was my interest. My interest, can I just be frank with you? I wanted to go uh, uh, post-college. I wanted to go into business. I was already in business. I was doing fine in business, doing well and very well in business, to be honest with you. I was in business, and I wanted to go into politics and then from, uh, for law, rather, and then from law into politics. That was my plan. Literally, that was my plan. That's what I wanted to do. And one conversation with the man uh, that we actually laid to rest today, one conversation with him changed it all because I said this to him, and I, and I want to say this to a leader because every leader needs a leader. If you're a leader that doesn't have a leader, you're a leader that's getting ready to walk into a place of panic. And remember, if you're a leader that's in panic, you're not a leader that's going to succeed. In one conversation, uh, I was on his staff for many years, and, and, uh, and we had met, and uh, very, very, it was a very large church at the time in the region. And, um, and I, he said to me, so what are you going to school for? And I told him what I was enrolled in college for and all of that. And he said, now, what do you, watch this, leaders. He said, well, what do you want to do that for? 
He didn't say anything was wrong with what I was doing, but his tone suggested that he didn't like my plan. He didn't like my approach. His tone suggested that. Let me tell you something. From that conversation, that night, leaders, I went home, and because my leader's tone did not like what I was doing, I disenrolled from that particular program, and, and it was a very expensive school. And the only reason I tell you that was because it wasn't like, you know, it was, it was just kind of a, you know, an easy thing to just kind of get out of. It was an extremely expensive school. In fact, it was the most expensive private school, private college in the area. And that night, I went home after that conversation. It was a Wednesday night. And that night, I disenrolled because my leader didn't like it. And from that, I was able to cultivate and refocus my life because I had a leader that suggested to me, watch this, that that's not a good deal. What are you saying, Bishop Foreman? I built my life around Jesus, not built Jesus into my life. I built my life around what was important to God, not what was important to me. See, many leaders, we got our plans. We're visionaries. We're industrious. We're entrepreneurs. We're go-getters. Sometimes when you're a go-getter, though, watch this, you can go get the wrong thing. Sometimes when you're a go-getter, you can go after the wrong thing. And so I want to encourage you tonight, leaders, in this regard, on this last point of cultivate, build your life. Start right now. Is your prayer where it should be? Is your worship where it should be? Your time of devotion, listening to the word, is it where it should be? If not, I want to encourage you to begin cultivating that way. You're a prepared leader. You're going to have a great year. This is only part one. Uh, I'm not out of teaching. I'm not out of sharing with you tonight and what will be shared later on the podcast. This is part one. We're going to pick up part two next month. And, again, we're going to announce to you and have for you our new call rhythm and call schedule uh, so that we're able to accommodate more people because the time we do it, we'd like to be able to see more people be on the actual live call and uh, so we can able to reach more people. But I can tell you, many, many people are getting the podcast. It's amazing to see the numbers of people that are doing that. So if you don't have the Bishop Former Leadership Podcast, go get it right now. It's in iTunes, so many other places. Just type in Bishop Kevin Foreman. It'll pop up. And as of right now, I believe it's got an orange background. It'll pop up. Subscribe to it. This will be on there probably by uh, within 24 hours from the time we're here tonight, and we'll be able to move in that. So listen, I pray that you've received tonight. I pray that you've grown tonight. And for those of you who subscribe to the Leadership Podcast, do us a favor. Uh, leave a great positive rating and a great comment on there. So one, we know that you're watching and you're listening, or listening rather. And then number two, so we can reach more people. It helps us to reach more people. I also want you to be on the lookout. We're going to text you and email you. We're going to do a very soon a two-day, and we made reference to it uh, on last month's call, a two-day uh, leadership, online leadership conference where we're going to pour, 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 pour in an even greater way, and it's going to be great. It's going to be online, interactive, digital. It's going to be incredible. So I want you to be on the lookout for that. We're going to email you, so make sure we get your email. How do I make sure you get my email, Bishop? All you got to do is just go onto our website, go to harvestchurch.church, bishopwoman.com, and right at the bottom there, it gives you a thing to put in your email so we can connect with you that way. Or we've got your text. If you text HFC to 59769, we've got that. Father, I thank you and bless you for these leaders. Thank you and bless you for the lives. They are incredible. And I declare that they're not only incredible, but they are also prepared. And they're going to take these simple points to be a prepared leader so that just like Benaiah, how he was able to achieve greatness, I decree and declare that these leaders will be able to achieve greatness also. I thank you that we will be great, not because of what we know, not because of just what we say, but because of what we do. We declare that this new year will be a great year of manifestation 
and a great year of improvement. We thank you that it is so. And everybody on the line, shout it, amen. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks so much for your time tonight. And uh, I encourage you, again, to make sure that you stay connected to us. Text Harvest to 59769 to get our mobile app. Shalom, everybody. Have a great night. If you're a Kia K5GT and Kia Forte GT owner, this is your reminder to breathe. See that sophisticated interior? Enjoy those sensations. And now, imagine how you look from the outside and that speed that only a Kia GT sedan can give you. Sorry, I can't help but get excited. For those lives full of thrilling emotions, the all-powerful, all-fun Kia GT sedans. Kia, movement that inspires. Limited inventory available. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.